Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. So today I have a very special treat, my very good and beautiful friend, Chantel Raven. I obviously don't get people on the podcast very often, but I couldn't resist having a conversation with my very intelligent, very powerful friend. So I originally thought that, well, Chantel and I are doing an event together and I was reading her bio and she's studied philosophy. She's studied law. Um, You can read more about her. I'll post links below so you can get more details on her bio so we can hop straight into it. And I was like, I would love to have a debate, a philosophical debate with someone because I tend to be quite a skeptic in my philosophical framework. And that can actually rub a lot of people the wrong way, but they don't really have the um, language or the experience to debate with me about it. (laughs) So I was thinking that Chantel would be an amazing person to have that conversation with. So I put a a note out to our community to get questions to debate over. And we got so many questions. We got maybe like 15, 20 questions, but they're all kind of questions that are maybe more like a Q&A. So the debate might be a little bit more of a Q&A with Chantel and Ava, but we'll see how we go. And um, how are you today, Shen? I'm fantastic, darling. (laughs) Nice, good. Especially now I'm on here with you. Yes, we had to have like 10 minutes before we recorded just to like laugh and giggle (laughs) and just talk about, you know, our debauchery and all kinds of things. (laughs) So yeah, we've already chatted, but um, how do you feel about just jumping straight into the questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, sweet. So the first question we got was twin flames. Have you met yours? And I don't know what that really refers to. So I thought I'd get you to start with that one, Shan. Yeah, so I've read a lot of different things about Twin Flames and I kind of understood some of it. Some of it was really esoteric and I didn't get it. And I've never had a felt sense of what that is until my current relationship with Matisse. And... Wow. I'm like, okay, I get the twin flame thing. This guy is definitely my twin flame. And I remember we made love once and one of the many times we've made love. (laughs) One of the reasons I know he's my twin flame is because we make love at least twice a day. Any man who's my twin flame needs to make love to me at least twice a day. So anyway, we made love and After we made love, I was in this beautiful stillness, bliss state, and I saw us as two flames Mm. and I could feel the power of our souls coming together and actually our capacity to keep burning into a remembering of who we really are and keep burning into a remembering of the love between us. And I haven't ever had an equal in that. So anytime stuff comes up between us, we just fucking burn with so much self-awareness and self-responsibility. Anything, anytime something comes up in our own lives, separate to each other, the same thing. And in terms of our energy and what we bring to life, that seeker energy that is willing to burn through the identity to remember there's such an alignment there. So the, the, the flame part, I can just feel so potently with him. And then in terms of the twin part, I continually am in awe of how aligned we are in in the centers that to me are very important to feel into a complete yes when in a relationship. So Mm -hmm. heart, consciousness and animal. So, you know, consciousness is the values that we hold, the spiritual tradition that we're held under, our commitment to, for me, commitment to the path. And I've just got 100% alignment with him in that. You know, we, we just share so many of the same ideals and values. And then we're also different enough that we inspire each other, which is mm-hmm. also important. And then heart, it's so beautiful. 
to just feel a level of communication that has a deep vulnerability as the main thread that's weaving the communication rather than who's right or who's wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes, of course, we, you know, stuff gets, can get thick, but it just moves with such ease and grace because of that vulnerability and the willingness for both of us to just see what's fair and meet each other's needs when, when it's calling for that. And then the animal, as I said, is definitely a 100% yes. So that, that, that's my take on Twin Flames. Thanks for sharing intimately about your relationship. I think that's going to be a treat for everyone to hear. Um, so are, are you saying that a Twin Flame is kind of like a soulmate? What's the difference? Yeah, so I think soulmate is anyone who our soul has a contract with that we're meant to get together with and learn lessons from. And I've got a lot of soulmates. Every part, like mm. every partner I've had have been long relationships that have felt like this soulmate mm. connection. But it's different. There's not that 100% alignment yep. and there's not that flame that's just mm. burning and remembering the commitment to that. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's been remnants of that or there's been senses of that, but not to the authentic degree that I can feel it with Matisse. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, seeing the relationship evolve, everything that you're saying, I totally resonate with in that I'm, I'm seeing that as an outsider as well in mm. such an unlikely relationship, you know, I think like in such the, this very unlikely relationship, like who would have known you would have ended up with Matisse? You yeah. know? <laughs> um, from, you know, Jared and I have known him for a while, like, you know, kind of blew our minds at the beginning. And um, that unlikeliness, you know, it, it is material for doubt, yet actually the, there's this kind of alignment on all the levels where, yeah, I think you're both so inspired as seekers that there's mm -hmm. this so you know interestingly enough I I listened because you know when I first heard the term I was like what's that and the way the guy defined twin flames was different it was that you know twin flames are like a super attraction that come and they pretty much explode trigger all of each other's trauma are super codependent and then leave each other so mm -hmm. You know, this brings up another question for me, which is like, what do you think about these kinds of terms being used in conversation? Twin flames, soulmates. <clears throat> I think it's dangerous. I think it's really dangerous. Well, that's where I was leading. I, I heard that definition of twin flame mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, for sure, this is a twin flame relationship. In pretty much every relationship I had, in my previous relationship so before Matisse Aaron and I had a beautiful harmonious deep relationship yeah and everyone before that it was what you're describing mm. and I think that possibly if I hadn't evolved to where I am now Matisse and I would be in that because yeah. we have we have had these intense like fuck right but because we're not in our trauma bodies when we're communicating because we know how to meditate because we can take responsibility for our feelings because we're having so much sex that that orgasmic energy is pushing a lot of energy and adrenaline out that isn't love then we're able to to stay connected and we're both very independent people but also completely can support one another so there's that interdependency happening and I've never heard the twin flame definition that I'm giving. It's my felt sense right now because of the vision I had after we, after we made love. And I find a lot that a lot of my teachings, they're not replications of what someone else has said. And I've never taught about twin flames. I, who knows, maybe it will come into the teachings mm -hmm. now. It's, it's my own felt sense. And of course, there may be echoes of the wisdom of the ages and other people who have, who have said things. I mean, I think, I think you're similar, Ava. It's this space of what is twin flame? Can we define it? I think it's going to be different for everyone. And I really just rely on my intuition, visions that I have and felt sense of anything. Yep. 
And um, that is very interesting that there's this idea of twin flames, you know, that basically activates each other's trauma body, you know, which brings such so much material and so much passion and, and attachment, you know, but you know, you've met this twin flame and you're not in your trauma body. So you've got the fire, but without like, you know, because you can get burnt a little bit, but you're not just like living and just being burnt continuously in that fire. So yeah, that suffering that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and we still, we triggered each other's core wounds like motherfuckers, you know. Mm. My core wound is abandonment. His core wound is enmeshment, right? Mm. So there's a wow. fear of on his end, fear yeah. of losing love from my end, but we've both worked on it mm. and just were prepared to do the work. And because of the age difference between us, there's like 14 years between us, there was that as well. We're at different stages of our lives. So we really had to just let go of our, our past, our associations and our identity and how we thought about things. We had to get out of the mind and trust the body, trust the heart, trust what was naturally evolving. And the love just kept deepening. And it's interesting because something that is similar to that twin flame, what's often said about it is, you know, you can't like the first time we made love, we didn't leave each other's side for three weeks, right? And we literally just couldn't. There was so much there to dive into. So there is that. I, I noticed that there's there's that thread of like going in really deep. But it's there's a beautiful Cahil Gibran quote about the pillars of the temple, you know, that you and I have discussed before, where the pillars are they're there together but they also stand apart. And I feel like him and I naturally, we take our space, we can be alone and then we come into togetherness and there's this beautiful flow in that. And we also flow between parasympathetic and sympathetic without too much judgment of either. Mm -hmm. So he's not overly attached to everything having to be a certain way and neither am I. We're both pretty good at going with the flow. So I think the potentiality of the trauma body to just create explosive arguments was is definitely there but because we're both quite mature and hold strong polarity with each other that that hasn't been an issue with us like he is super present masculine and I'm super alive shakti so that that polarity works really well in our favor for great sex and great communication and then he also has a beautiful feminine and I have a really strong masculine and I think that the foursome is really important in any relationship and that that twin flame you know now just as we're talking about it and I feel into it that's another huge difference with Matisse is that my guy is a full yes to his girl his girl feels really safe with my guy and then of course my girl and his guy get along great. Usually relationships, the gender selves are getting along quite well. And it's the conscious sexual selves or the unconscious selves, opposite gendered selves that have, have an issue. So the foursome's good. And I think in a twin flame connection, the foursome needs to be good. Can you explain how you feel into your guy and if it likes his girl? How so, do you feel into that? Well, when he's in his emotional body, mm, I'm not okay. like, ew, you know? <laughs> Sometimes when I'm with a guy and he goes into his emotional body, I'm just like, oh. Yeah, okay. You know, really strong victim. There's not a lot of self-responsibility. There's not a capacity to be vulnerable. Like, you know, and, and there's a lot of blaming and shaming going on. Yeah, that makes so, sense. There, there may be a little bit of that with his girl, but I pull him up and then straight away the, the communication shifts. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. That's and he, he came to one of my retreats before we got together. We were friends, really, really good friends. And he came to one of my retreats. And I have one of these nights at Living Tantra Retreat where you really explore your conscious sexual self. You dress up in that. And then you dance and his girl was so beautiful. I was just like, oh my God, I love her. <laughs> That's how you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you, if you love the contrasexual self, it's, it's like all uphill from there. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. As you were explaining initially the twin flame, I was like, yeah, that I definitely feel that with Jared. And it's 
it's so, I mean, it's Jared and my relationship has been very challenging, very up and down, but amongst all of that, we're in the best we've ever been and the proudest of both of us that I've ever been. And um, there is this, yeah, the, the flames are burning for each other and, you know, for that remembering and for the seeking and in alignment. So I guess mm. I've met mine as well. I don't know if there's one. Um, but, yeah, who knows? And it, it, it hasn't been automatic, like almost like we were saying originally, like it really, you know, there's so many people that you could be codependent with and could have that flame. But I think it's not automatic. It takes a lot of work in order for those twin flames to keep burning, you know, in a sustainable way. And, you know, I've watched and been part of your and Jared's journey and it's been so beautiful. And I think both of you are committed to love, not just loving each other, but love itself. Mm. And that's so important, isn't it? That that commitment is there. And a lot of people, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to have that commitment because they don't know how to be with what arises in them mm. and still stay. So yeah. I think, I think that's the key. Can I be with what's here in me and let it burn without running, without fighting, can we just be with each other in that fire? Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard, right? Like we're designed to, to mm -hmm. get away from that discomfort and, and mm -hmm. not like, how do you function when you're in your trauma? Like there's everything telling us to get out of it so we can function properly. So yeah. Well, I don't, I don't have that. I haven't had that since Probably the last four years, there was a big transition for me when I turned 40. I went to India and, you know, the typical kind of, oh, wow, India had a massive awakening. Mm. I was actually in Ramana's ashram and the umbilical cord to my mum cut and it then became connected to Mother India and I had this huge awakening into love. And from that time, I really, this part that either wants to run or fight didn't control me anymore and it's been a process but mm. with Matisse I've never wanted to fight and I've never wanted to run yeah. and I think that that maturity rather than it threatening him inspires him and it didn't take him long to he, he was already naturally that way but you know there was a bit of running from him at the beginning and then we settled into this space of none of us none of us going into those stress responses mm which is fucking great not to be controlled by those stress responses, right? Totally. And I love that you said like your maturity inspired him, which that's how it works. You know, if it re if you really are mature and grounded, it is inspiring. Otherwise you're just talking about it and scolding people to be like that. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of women, they say to me, how can I get my man to change? And how can I get him on the path? I'm like, <laughs> bitch, you change. Yeah, like you, you be such a fucking cool chick that that's what's inspiring that you're embodying yeah. it not that you're telling him about it yeah. that he can feel it and go wow I I, I want that I want more of that in yeah. my own life yeah 100% and I feel like I'm a testament to that in my relationship like mm. I when I was more in my um you know dysregulation I was trying to control Jared into being what I wanted him to be and then mm -hmm. there was a point where I just let go of all the control but now I'm in a place where I don't control and I inspire mm -hmm. um yeah not a word yeah and and that's really a shift as well isn't it from a more masculine outdated mm -hmm. way of women doing relationship and into a more heart-centered and I feel like part of our inspiration in our upcoming collaborations was you know really connecting in that space and I remember having a chat with you in the forest about Jared and certain things that aren't I, I may not be ideal in the relationship but that you've kept that unconditional love and you know how how you've been able to do that and that really inspired me and I feel like we both have a lot of shakti in different ways that are very complementary. Yep. Yes, I agree. Okay, let's go to classical tantra versus neo tantra. What's the difference? Um, and I feel like, you know, because we've been doing work alongside each other in Perth for a long time, and I feel like there's been this kind of 
idea that you do, you teach Neo Tantra and I teach classical Tantra, which is like, there's so many um, misunderstandings with that kind of viewpoint. And like, for me, like I've studied Tantra in different ways with different teachers. You know, I studied at Agama, I studied at Herdaya, I've studied with um, Paul Muller-Ortega, maybe you've heard of him from Blue, Blue Throat Yoga. So I've studied different Tantric traditions, but each one of them has an idea about what Tantra is that comes from like a certain community or a certain lineage. But then a few years ago, I got more into like an academic look, you know, more like Christopher Wallace and the religious departments of universities, you know, and the way they describe Tantra. Um, so what I would describe classical Tantra is would be looking at the entire movement of Tantra in India between a certain period of time. And within that, there were many lineages of spirituality, but because at the time the religion was called Tantra, you know, there are so many totally different, you know, non-dual and dual, Shakti worshiping, Shiva worshiping. Um, White Tantra, Red Tantra. Red Tantra, Black Tantra, you know, mm -hmm. householder, renunciate. So it's almost like now where we've got Hinduism and then we've got all of these different forms of Hinduism so to say something like classical Tantra is it it doesn't really pick out one particular lineage like when most people when they think about classical Tantra they're like oh well then it must be Kashmiri Shaivism or it must be the Vigyana Bhairava you know that must be classical Tantra but then that's still picking out one line in an entire body. So basically Tantra, the Tantric period was a period of India of, of different forms of spirituality. And I always describe it that it's like an upgrade of the spirituality that preceded it. So before that, you had a lot of classical yoga and, you know, of Patanjali. And then you also had different forms of Buddhism and other, um, other forms of um, ascetic practices and esoteric practices and then they kind of evolved into the tantric period and then neo-tantra so classical tantra versus neo-tantra um you know seeing it seeing it um difficulty in distinguishing those but then neo-tantra is what is it's a word that's being used to describe tantra as it's being practiced today and almost like you said it's not gonna be the same as what it was before. It's gonna be a synthesis of what came before mixed in with what is relevant now for every different teacher. So even blanketing all of the tantric teachers now as neo-tantra, um, that's okay as long as you understand that it's an entire field with many different lineages in it and many different practices and many different philosophies that can totally contradict each other like dualistic and non-dualistic philosophies and um householder and ascetic you know or renunciatory versions so they are umbrella terms and once again it can be unhelpful i wouldn't say dangerous in this case but unhelpful to to be calling one thing classical and People sometimes just use those words to try to validate or diminish um, lineages when in and of themselves, they're not, they're alluding to something concrete that isn't actually there. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I feel like that I agree with everything that you said 100%. I think at the core of any Tantra that's real Tantra is meditation. And by meditation, I just mean that we're fully present to sensation, fully present to what's alive in us and able to witness that and create enough safety for ourselves to stay with that. I think Tantra is life, whether it's classical Tantra, neo-Tantra. For me, the difference between Tantra and anything else is that it's relating to 
it's like how we relate to God and goddess energy, like classical Tantra is also inclusive of deity worship, right? And these, and these gods and goddesses that re represent different aspects of ourselves. So how, how do we relate to God, goddess energy and, and yantra and sacred geometry and meditation? How do we relate to sexuality within our own beings first and then with someone else? How do we relate to life? And then the dance between all of that. So, you know, life is the all-encompassing part of it because Tantra doesn't exclude anything. Every other spiritual tradition, it's like you have a practice and you're not allowed to do this, this or that as part of that practice. Mm. And to me, the reason that Tantra changed my life so much and why it's the tradition that I absolutely bow before is because I bow before life. I bow before, before this mystery that doesn't fucking exclude anything and any to me anything that excludes sex isn't it because we are sex we were made from sex we are the creative potential of the universe so people think that neo-tantra is all about sex no it's not all about sex it just doesn't exclude sex because it recognizes that sex is also a beautiful space to worship the divine. Does it get overmarketed because that's what brings money in? Of course. Is there an, too much emphasis on that part in a lot of workshops and retreats? Yes. Is it in the stuff that I run and you run? Absolutely fucking not. You know, sexuality is a tiny part of what I teach, but it's an important part. Mm. And I think a lot of the issues that are there in relationship and even in the world is that sex isn't a sacred space that we step into. It's something that we do. And what that means is it becomes this flesh and friction oriented activity, right? That is done behind closed doors. That's often educated from pornography. So all of this goes into shadow and instead of holding their cocks, men are holding fucking guns, right? In the name of God. Instead of being able to serve as teachers, certain teachers who are meant to be there in service to love and truth are molesting children and students. I'm talking about priests and different teachers. It's a bigger conversation. But I think there's a real danger in not addressing all of life in any tradition. Mm. So tantra is life. Mm. And part yeah. of life is the orgasmic potential of our our birthright as beings who were created from sex. We're all sex on legs, you know, fucking celebrate that. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm hearing is like, you know, there, there was Tantra a long time ago. There is a kind of over-sexualized version of Tantra that we see now, now, because like you, exactly like you said in the workshops, you're not hearing so much about meditation or like health or diet. You're hearing about sex. Like there's this emphasis, but I like this idea of Tantra that you've described. It's like, yeah, all of life and a synthesis of both of those paths. And like, I love the idea of this super tradition, you know, that is holistic and integrated and fully relevant, always evolving you know, to be whatever is meaningful and relevant. And like, that's my whole thing is what's functional and whatever's functional is what's meaningful and relevant to whatever we need. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers that question. <laughs> yeah, and I think where you and I really are allies and similar is that the nervous system has to be part of anything because we live in a world that is so dissociated and distracted from the full presence of being here with the breath in our bodies. So I feel like not just in Tantra, but in any modality, anything that doesn't address the nervous system in some way and support people how to regulate their nervous systems is fundamentally flawed. Yep. hundred mm. percent. I feel like that's the cornerstone, especially when everything is, all the dysfunction is stacked on top of that, you know? So yeah, all of the healing is going to be stacked on top of that as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Interesting. How Let's do a few more. So how to feel safe in open relationships? 
I don't think the feminine ever feels safe in open relationships. What about the masculine? <laughs> ah, the masculine loves it. So oh. I only had open relationships till I was 30. And no, I was 35 when mm. I met my second husband. And fortunate for me, I did a lot of the engaging <laughs> more than my partners did up until I was 30 and then I entered the Tantra world and they were also engaging. So I got to feel, I got to feel that. And I think that the masculine in all of us, the main drive is for freedom. You know, we, the masculine wants to be free and love is a force. It's not so personal. And this is what I experienced in my own life. And this is what I see in my clients and a lot of the crew that I was hanging out with at that time. And in the feminine, you know, love is definitely personal and she wants full commitment and she wants to be fully chosen. It fucking kills her when her partner's with someone else. And, and so I think that open relationships work when someone's polarised more in their masculine and on a path of non-attachment. But when the feminine is leading or the feminine is being paid a lot of attention to within our own beings and we're in a relationship, mm. she doesn't like it. You know, like anyone who's listening has experienced their partner wanting to have sex with someone else probably or thinking they might want to or maybe you've even experienced them having sex with someone else. It hurts. It hurts the heart, you know. And imagining someone, your partner being inside someone else or going inside someone else or having someone else inside them, of course that's difficult. It's hard to find safety in that. And you, know, you don't, it's like the, the relaxed state of the heart, I feel, is really much more easy to access when you're not in that kind of, oh, wow, they're with someone, are they going to, is there going to be such a big connection with them and they're going to leave me? In saying that, there are incredible gifts of open relating where you have to challenge those parts of you. Mm. And I am grateful for open relationships and what they've given me in terms of burning through a lot of the attachment. So yeah. I, th I think that if, if I was in an open relationship right now and Matisse had a few different lovers or even one other lover, it would be hard for my nervous system to feel mm. safe. Definitely. Yep. But if I was mainly in my masculine and I was also having other lovers and I was focused on work and meditation as a stillness practice and then, yeah, you know, I've had times in my life where when I'm really on purpose and I'm cranking out my practice. Yeah. Yeah. That it's been, it's been sweet. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting that, to say that, you know, depending on where you are, if you're more in your kind of masculine and, or in your feminine you feel affected in a different way in my experience it hasn't because you know also done a lot of open relating and ha has been different levels of challenging um but there's you know there's so many factors you know to me uh -huh. feeling safe definitely I mean one thing that I would say to answer the question would be like how to feel safe in open relationships would be how to feel safe in anything you need to be really clear about what you need you need to communicate it you need to recognize that boundaries are always fluid and always needing to be communicated and um if you're not feeling safe on in 90 percent of your life you're not going to feel safe in an open relationship if you're feeling safe on every other level you are more likely to but there are some women that i would be jealous if jared is with and there's some women that he could marry them <laughs> and I would be fine, <laughs> uh -huh, you uh -huh. know? And I heard from David Data a long time ago about that difference between obligatory and mandatory, um, like that optional and mandatory jealousy with like, with women, there's some women that we wouldn't be jealous with. And actually biologically, we would be more inclined to share our partner with them because it's actually going to improve our lives and help our family. But with some women, the chances are that they're going to, you know, you're, you're worried that they're going to take your man away, then biologically, you're going to feel that jealousy over. And I've definitely mm -hmm. sensed that in myself. There's some women I wouldn't feel jealous over and there's some that I would. 
having said that, Jared and I have been together a while and there is this, there's a stability there, you know, like we always say to each other, we're just, even if we were very attracted to someone else, we probably wouldn't even bother like going through, you know, we're, we're just slower in our, in our relating, you know, we don't have, yeah, and I mean, I, I'm also a triple Scorpio, extremely jealous. Even when I was married for 10 years, I would still get totally jealous and he wasn't going anywhere. I feel like the safety piece here's, here's a point of debate. Like when you say it's like safety with anything, I wouldn't agree with that. I think that open relating is one of the hardest areas to feel safe. I think there are ways to cultivate deeper safety, but how to feel safe in an open relationship when engagement is happening. Mm. I think if it's like, can we feel safe in situations where it's more like a three-way relationship. Like just say you and I were both sharing Matisse. I fucking love you. I think you would bring him a lot of expansion if he was to engage in deeper intimacy with you, which would then feed into our relationship. So I think when it's meaningful and there's a relationship between the women and there's love in the center of the triangle, then yeah, but typically when I think open relationship, it's like, okay, he, he has lovers, I have others. Mm. And, I, and, you know, we're getting into definitions again. So my feeling of open relationships is it's on for young and all. Like, we're open. You do your thing, I'll do my thing, and it's open, we're completely free. So mm. how to feel safe in that? Ooh, I would say hard. you can feel safe in that. How to feel safe in more of what you're saying where there's not a lot of engagement, you would only really engage if it was super meaningful and it felt right, you mm. know, and you were into the chick that you, you trusted the woman that he was engaging with. So there, there is a lot to it. I will say this, I've been doing private sessions for over a decade and every woman that I work with who's okay with an open relationship when she starts sessions with me, by, by sometimes the first session, definitely after the third or fourth, she's not okay at all. Mm. When, when she really goes into her emotional body and goes through the layers and we contact the 10 feminine, it's always, I want to be fully chosen. Yeah. I've never come across a woman where it's not that. So, <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah. I know that, that feeling. That's my take on it. Definitely at the beginning of Jared and my relationship, all I wanted was open relating. Um, and then it was like, no, that's not what I want at all. You know, and we uh -huh. went in, into that more monogamous place and then, you know, open back up again, you know, later. So, um, yeah, I feel like, it's just so complicated. You know, it's like you said, if it's a triangle, depending on who it's with, depending on how you are in your life in any day, you know, how the communication is going, how it starts to evolve, you know, how the different relationship evolves, your what trauma gets triggered. But like you said, having done that so much, it really has brought so much to the surface to be burnt and worked through. Um, that does make it safer. Feels Definitely. Good. And I like what you said about the communication aspect, mm -hmm. like how important it is to communicate needs and boundaries. And yeah. And, and it's also, it can change any time, right? I think it just, it's whatever blows your hair back. Mm. It's going to be different depending on what you're experiencing. I definitely feel like open relationships work better for me if I'm in a relationship where all my needs aren't met by that particular person. So, you know, I want a king, I want a warrior, I want a magician, I want father energy, I want everything in my man. Mm. So I, I have all of those archetypes with Matisse. But in the past, there were different archetypes that weren't as strong, and then I would choose lovers who had that archetype. Mm. So, you know, wholeness in the person that I'm with, and then obviously that's a reflection of my own wholeness. I think the more whole two people are, the less of a need there is to engage and the more you would only be engaging in those times that we're speaking about where it's really meaningful. There's a lot of discernment and it's going to serve love and truth in some way, you know, it's yeah. serving the, serving the relationship. Yeah. 
Yeah, I hope this has given some ideas and like things to think about because there are just so many things to think about. Like I'd mm. feel most safe in a relationship if Jared was to be with someone that I could say, no, this needs to end at any time. Uh -huh. um, you know, even if I'm not going to really probably exercise that power because there's another woman on the other end of that, I need to, I need to know certain things and it'll, it'll completely depend on which woman it is. So yeah, and that's, that's lots to think about the things I don't like that evolves from open relating mm -hmm. where we end up controlling to create safety, right? Mm -hmm. So is it, is it safe in and of itself? Mm. No, fuck no. <laughs> and then and what I found in my own relationship and observing others is there's so much talking. It's like no one's actually mm. fucking anyone. Some, you know, it's like yeah. we've just been a week processing the possibility of you being with her. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, 100%. And like, in the biggest scheme of things, I've got, I want to, I want to put my energy towards what's actually here and now between us and in yeah. the sacred container of relating so much comes up but I am open to open relating you know yeah, if, yeah. If, if that's if that's there oh we should we should push this and um report back because it's been a while um you know there's been a few you know things over the past few years but it's been a while since there's been re a relationship on the other end uh -huh. um so yeah it's it's hard to speak it's hard to speak to that one a little bit more um I still stand by what I was saying that it's the way that you feel safe in every in anything is like in, in terms of you need to be able to check in there needs to be an inner communication and an outer communication a feeling of alignment um I agree that you'll never feel totally safe and there's just gonna, you're that you're up against your edge, you know? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. It's like how we do anything is how we do everything. Right. That, that quote has always stood out in my head. Yeah. And you do exactly that check-in and attunement for sure. When, when you're saying it from that perspective Yeah. and then this particular situation is just a lot harder to feel safe in than other situations but the way that we find the tools that we use to find that safety are the same yeah i agree yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay let's let's end it with um pros and cons of your contrasting teaching styles um which i thought was a bit of a hard one like we you know we've been apart for a couple of years you're almost two years in bali then prior to that, you know, our styles have, have changed a little bit. Mine has definitely changed a lot. Both of ours have matured, you know, as it grows year on year. Um, so I kind of found it like I, I tune into your podcast a lot. I love the things that you share and say. Um, and I love who you are, you know, the way that you're showing up. Although when I first met you, I was like, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> And obviously was obsessed with you and wanted you around all the time. But I was like, this woman is wild. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, um, you know, you, you've described before the contrast, you think, in our teaching style. So I think that that kind of covers the whole, my, you know, original views of you. But yeah, I found it a little bit hard to, to think about an answer. So I thought I'd start by asking you, you know, what do you think? is our different, like, what do you think the difference between our teaching styles is, if any? Um, I feel like yours is more structured and has more rules to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which creates a lot of safety and it, there's, there's less risk, right? Mm. I feel like my approach is I, I tend to not have a lot of structure and I like to just flow with the naturalness of what I'm feeling into in the space and support others to do the same. Safety is definitely important to both of us though and freedom is definitely important to both of us. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we both hold the pillars of safety and freedom but maybe mine veers more towards freedom I would never stop anyone from expressing or doing anything that's held in my container other than leaving the space, right? You wouldn't Whereas, expect that. Well, I don't, if I'm holding a retreat, one of the agreements is don't leave the space, right? 
and no drugs and no drugs or alcohol while you're here. So I feel like you you have this beautiful stillness within you that you transmit and that is more on the vertical line. And you also have this amazing aliveness, but maybe lead more from the vertical stillness point. Whereas I have that, but then I have a very strong horizontal that is, is very alive and wild, as you say, and I probably, and I lead more from that. So I think where we are very, very similar and we lead from a different space. Mm. And maybe mine can be more described as a Shakti dominated field. You know, there's a lot of Shakti in all of my spaces and there's a lot of Shakti in yours as well. And there's a lot of Shiva in yours and there's a lot of Shiva in mine as well. Mm. But where are we leading from? I think that that's, that's more what it's about. That is amazing the way that you have identified that in such a you know in such a kind way um but yeah that makes a lot of sense like it was kind but it also I feel like you hit the nail on the head Mm -hmm. um you know I think about you know from what I understand from your teaching because we both value, like we're at, you said we're allies because right at the heart of our teaching, we need to heal our nervous system because mm-hmm. everything is like coming out of that. And what I understand based on what you just said from your side, from your style, teaching style, there's this emphasis on getting rid of that extra adrenaline in the system, like releasing this, like discharging all of this pent up energy that's dysregulating our system. Mm -hmm. And then from my side, it's like creating safety because the lack of safety is dysregulating the system. And that's what I'm like, I don't know if I would say safety is like at the very pillar of it. Like for me, I guess it's not so much safety, but more like attunement. Like Mm -hmm. if you, but attunement to create a sense of safety so that the nervous system will heal itself, Mm -hmm. where you're potentially more like get the priority is at getting rid of discharging that excess energy so that the nervous system can heal itself, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's both about creating an optimal condition for the nervous system to heal itself. Mm But, you know, because, you know, my kind of questioning of yours would be that, well, what about the other nervous systems around that your expression of freedom is going to undermine their feeling of safety? But if the entire container is premised around everyone needs to be expressing freedom, then one person expressing freedom, other person doesn't feel safe. As long as they are then going to express their safety, everyone is going to be, um, everyone's going to be expressing their freedom. Okay. I'm, I'm all about, can we be with what's arising in us and allow that even if someone else is creating more adrenaline in the body than would be there if I was just on my own, mm-hmm. right? So in a space, of course, like in a workshop, you, you could be in a meditation, for instance, right? And you, there's a situation that the mind is spinning and the meditative approach that I take and you take is what's the felt sense of that? Can you be with the sensations that arise? And instead of like running off with the narrative of the mind, underneath that narrative are sensations right? Our feelings. Can you tune into that? And we can, we can take the more Shiva approach or Vedanta approach or non-dual approach of just witnessing, or as we're having that felt sense, as we're tuning into sensation, we can uh, give it some breath, sound and movement, not to get rid of it, but to actually just free it, give it the freedom of expression and make it not wrong. So if someone's sitting next to me and the energy I'm feeling is, and I'm angry and the person next to me is uncomfortable with anger or it's distracting them from their own process to me, it's like, can you be with that? Can you be with what's arising in you as someone else is disturbing your process? 
because that's the entrainment for relationship, right? Part of the entrainment for relationship. And then after we've done that, then, yeah, come back to the silence, nurture the body, see if there's some new beliefs that want to come into the body. I, but, you know, pre-Tantra, I was brought up by an esoteric wizard. You know, my dad taught meditation and personal development and EFT, and it was all about continence and stillness and just staying and witnessing. And I ended up with cervical cancer. And I had to look at why my feminine center now had cancer. And what I arrived at was that the dis-ease in my emotional body that I wasn't discharging had had duplicated you know those cells had duplicated and I could see it and I could feel it and part of my healing journey was learning how to instead of pushing everything down and being the good the spiritual girl the love and light girl which I definitely was tantra I used to have like two explosions a year and that was it they were fucking huge explosions though ran one boyfriend over with my car whoa (laughs) like bad stuff you know So I think that your approach is 10 out of 10. I think my approach is 10 out of 10. I think people need both. And the reason I love working with you so much and collaborating with you and hanging with you is because we have a beautiful polarity. I love your fucking Shiva. I love your continence. I love your stillness and you love my aliveness and my free expression. Mm. So, you know, there would be no point in collaborating if we were exactly the same But I feel like at the core of both of us is a vibration of allowance. We have never turned against each other. There's never been funny energy between us. You know, some people, you just feel that funny energy. We're just authentic and honest and beautiful with one another. And I think that's two people who have the gift of allowing whatever is coming up in their own systems and not having to compete or project. And there is a power to that. There's a magic in any sisterhood that has that at its core so yeah (laughs) Mm. it's it's just a heaven you know I put up a post the other day about like that exactly like you said just this authentic relaxed loving connection with a sister it's just Mm -hmm. everything it just totally fills you up and but in in a way, it's so unassuming. It's in a way you don't realize, but you're fully charged up from that. And I feel like it, it's just community. You know, it's that feeling of being connected, accepted, welcomed. And that's so, so powerful. So yeah, I also love our relationship very much. You know, and yeah. what I'm excited about in working with you is really exposing my network to your tools around parasympathetic state and how to how to regulate the nervous system and then I'm ex- I'm excited to be exposed to your network mm-hmm. and I think that yeah we're, we're similar we're similar enough that there's not a conflict in our teachings but different enough that they're going to get different beautiful teachings from both of us totally I feel like there's yeah two big pieces that are going to come together because like you said they're different approaches um with allowing at the core let's allow what's there let's not escape from what's there let's watch it totally yeah how we touch into it is in that different way you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. I guess yours is more express and mine is more tune in Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah like get quiet with it yeah you know and like really listen and like following it in with awareness where yours is like follow it through with energy kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure and I actually think, you know, pros and cons of the contrasting teaching styles, I actually think that at any one point, your nervous system is going to ask for one of those ways. And mm-hmm. if you only know express and release, if you only know awareness and getting tuned in and stillness, mm-hmm. and your system is asking you for the other one, mm-hmm. and you don't know the signal of which one is the exact one, you're actually re-traumatizing yourself. You're not giving your system what it needs. If If you're not giving your system exactly what it needs in any moment, you're giving it not what it needs, you mm-hmm. know? And then mm-hmm. that is your, it's a dysfunctional, you know, movement that you're making. So, you know, having access to uh, like, exposing my students and my network 
to really the fullness of all of the tools that you offer. Like you need to practice those in a formal way so -hmm. that you know what it feels like when it unlocks that energy. And you need to mm-hmm. practice stillness in, and the fullness of those practices to know what it feels like when it unlocks that energy, because mm-hmm. both of them will unlock that energy. But you, you can't just be like, oh, I should do meditation or I should do expression or I should do some. Exactly. What, 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 is it, what is this calling for? And I definitely incorporate meditation and stillness and you definitely incorporate expression. It's exactly. just not what you lead with, right? And then, of course, there's the way which we haven't discussed yet which is orgasmic energy mm-hmm. and you know it's too much to talk we're, we're already done for this podcast but orgasmic energy is one of the most beautiful ways to release trauma you know when when love is present everything that's not love shows up and when we're stepping into love making as as a as a sacred space that is authentic that is real then wow if we're making love as a meditation and we're aware of sensation and we're tuning in tears come sometimes rage comes sometimes as well as bliss as well as ecstasy and orgasmic energy has this amazing potential to yeah push trauma out help us remember god support us to track sensation if there's not the agenda to have an explosive you know seven second 14 second sneeze genital yes. sneeze so part of my teachings and I don't know if you if you teach this actually other teach about orgasmic energy and sexuality I don't teach about sex very much okay at, all at the moment okay so that's the other way that you know we're, we're going to compliment each other and and you know I think you're the sexiest woman alive and I'm really excited to have you at my events and you know the wholeness experience you're going to bring that element into it and I feel like you're going to bring out in me some of my stillness practices more and connecting in with that more and I'm going to support you to connect in with that sexuality piece more because we both have both so strong yes but favoring others so I can't wait to get sexy with you and sexy with the women at at the wholeness experience and at the beckoning and yeah yes exciting okay I know we're like so over time but um if someone is coming to this podcast brand new they're like what orgasmic energy something special with the sexual experience stepping into a a sexual space instead of doing it where do you have a course on that like where do people find out about that (laughs) well tune into embodied awakening social media I, I do like short stories every day and there's lots of posts about this material. There's podcasts, free podcasts, free blogs. You know, I'm you and I are both educators. I have so much written material. And then if you wanted to take it further, I have an online course called Sacred Sexuality that really dives into all of this and the wholeness experience, our one day event. We're going to be addressing that. And at the beckoning, that, that's part of what I'll be bringing through. And, and really, it's just reframing sexuality out of the framework of either religion, which is all about abstinence, pornography, which is all about flesh and friction, into this other path where, wow, what if making love is a meditative act? And that, that the basis of that meditation is tuning to ourselves to each other, bringing energy, breath, sound and movement into this sacred container so that we can release what no longer serves and remember the love that we are. Yep. Yeah. And that's, you know, you're describing the philosophy, but I really think people need those, need the training around it. So I'm happy to hear that there is a specific course that addresses that. And then you also run fundamentals of Tantra, which is like a weekend workshop, which couples it's, that's good for couples. Uh-huh. And the next one, the Margaret River one sold out, but then the one after that is in June in Perth. Oh, good. And the Sacred Sexuality online course, it's really in depth, like all my online courses are. There's like 150 page manual, there's med- guided meditations, there's videos, there's demonstrations with me and my partner at the time. So you're you're really getting the whole kit and caboodle. That sounds amazing. They were gonna say a downfall of that. That's the best. That's exactly what. <laughs> Yeah, you, you can, you can, I'll give it to you Jared, as a gift and you can tell me if you like. Amazing. Perfect. It can and be a wedding gift for the wedding that didn't happen this weekend. <laughs> this weekend. Exactly. Um, 
if you can you give just a little bit of a um, description about our upcoming event wholeness experience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so first and foremost i think any event the main vibration of it is going to be the vibration from which it was created from and i feel like the vibration that it was created from was our sisterhood so there's going to be a lot of connecting women together and feeling the power and magic of the sisterhood. And we're going to breathe together and do some yoga flow together with you at the start, which I, I always love being guided by you. You're such a beautiful guide and facilitator. I hate it when someone's guiding me into my body and they just sound like a robot. Your voice is so just yummy and I love everything you say. And then I'm going to lead the discourse, but Ava will come in and put her two bobs in. And we're just going to check out, like, what does it mean to be whole? Because so many of us women, we're looking for completion through relationship or we're over-obsessing about work as a, way to, as a way to feel complete. So as women, how can we feel whole? And generally speaking, it's by not denying the light or the dark. It's about not denying the silence or the aliveness. It's yeah. about marrying our masculine and feminine, marrying our dark and our light. It's about feeling the pulse of something greater than the mind, where we can really trust our hearts. We can trust our wombs. We can trust our sensuality. So you're going to be getting lots of teachings around how to integrate the different aspects of your being, including the archetypes. Mm -hmm. So often women are running primarily in one archetype, either mother, priestess, warrior, or um, which one am I missing? Seductress? Lover. Lover. Lover, mother, priestess, warrior, and then there's queen. And the queen holds all of them. And the seductress, which is part of the lover, yeah, she, she's, she's beautiful. And there's so much unhealthy seductress relationship energy in the, in the sisterhood, which mm -hmm. creates a lot of competition. So we're going to look at what is the healthy seductress energy and what does it mean to really balance our lover energy with, you know, the, the sensation and connection to the earth and connection to loved ones and relationship with warrior energy, who's determined to be in truth and has the courage to, really, really put the time that it takes into the legacy to leave on the planet. And then there's the priestess, you know, the creatrix, the one who's in touch with what's beyond this 3D reality mm. and mother of unconditional love and nurturing. So when we have all of this, we have our queendom. And so we're going to get a taste of all of these different archetypes. And then we're going to end with an amazing temple with Ava, where she teaches us how to really harness our seductress energy in a healthy way that isn't hooking anyone in but that's expressing from the aliveness of our being the the erotic pulse of our of our sensuality and this day is also a taster for the one week retreat the beckoning which is happening in Denmark in May that I was also collaborating with me on we're gonna we're gonna have basically that day over seven days, but specific to each archetype. So it's going to be completely and insanely transformative. And we're all going to be just sharing our wisdom and our jewels with each other in that, in that circle of sisters. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited for wholeness because it's going to be, you know, it's a five hour kind of like mini one day women's retreat. And I've done a couple of women's retreat. I've done many, many women's retreats before, and it's, it's based around this kind of sensual movement piece and ex like connecting to and then expressing our erotic nature, which has just blown my life apart. Like in terms of my relationship, my connection to my body, my emotions. So when we do those one day retreats, they are just so amazing. And then to actually get that for seven whole days in the, you know, at the Cove in Denmark, us facilitating temple nights every single night, an embodied meditation flow in the morning. Like if you've kind of gotten a feel of what Chantelle and I offer in terms of, you know, the horizontal, the vertical, the wholeness piece, that retreat is actually going to be just <laughs> incredible. So that one is for women only. Um, and of course, if you listen to this podcast, you know all about my silent meditation retreats, but um, I will pop the link. Straight after the beckoning. Oh, yeah, straight after. Cool. 
which I'm like, set those women loose after the beckoning. Do not send them into the salary retreat. Some will be ready. Some will be ready. Um, so I'll post all the links for that, you know, at the bottom of the podcast. And if you're listening on Embodied Awakening podcast, then we'll have the links there as well. Um, but yeah, you've gotten a taste of what both of us, you know, have to say and what we offer. And I'm sure Shannon and I would love to do another episode. So if you've got questions or you think there's something you want to pick apart from any of the things that we've shared, then just let us know. Always send us a message on our socials or via email. We're happy to hear from you. And anything else you want to say to close? That I love you so much. much. And I can't wait to see you tomorrow. We're going camping together on the weekend again. So (laughs) So that's good too. I love you, babe. (laughs) Thanks for having me on your podcast, baby. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Functional Spirituality Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe by pressing the plus button on iTunes or the following button on Spotify. This is going to ensure that this resource is available and top of mind when you most need it. So please subscribe now.